Check, check. There we go. Now it's on. All right. Now I'm going to get myself a beer. Buy that man a beer. Thanks for this sweet new cozy. Yeah, man. The koozie? No, cozy. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, though. These are super old school style uh, cozies. Thanks to the Waylon Jennings merch shop. Yeah, I, I don't know where this quote is from, but it's pretty sweet. This is no dress rehearsal. We are professionals, and this is the big time. I can picture Waylon saying that. Yeah, it's like he wrote it for our podcast. <laughs> That's why I thought they were apropos for the podcast. Yeah. Because, you know, we're so professional. Exactly. And I would use, you know what? I'm going to have a. Does it fit oh, a bottle? Oh, no. That doesn't. was part of the reason why I bought them. I thought they'd be good actual bottle koozies, too. No. It's hard to find a bottle. Actually, I think this is a smaller bottle. Uh, I got a special beer for today. What is that? Rodenbach Grand Cru. Hmm. You ever had? Sounds familiar, but I, that bottle does not look familiar. Uh, big fan. I forget about it so often, and then when I see it in the beer store, go for it sometimes. It's, what is it? I think it's a Flanders Red, technically. Huh. Want to try it? Yeah, sure. Ooh, it's got some stank on it, eh? Yeah. That's a sour, no? Uh, technically, I don't think so, but it is sour-ish. It's really good. Yeah. Huh. It would be like the OG of sours. I've been digging this guy since they brought it back with like the nitro, uh, whatever. All of those words you just said and what's written on that can is all of the opposite of my kinds. <laughs> Vanilla, porter, nit nitro. Yeah. Out. The nitro makes it a lot smoother. Smoother than a porter already is? It's smooth, like velvet. <laughs> it's like a velvet fog rolling across your lips. Sweet baby Jesus sliding down <laughs> your throat. I like to picture my baby Jesus. <laughs> Tuxedo t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's that from? Formal, but he likes to party. Oh, uh, yeah. It's from uh, the stuff. No, uh, Talladega Nights. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> when they're saying grace and then he just keeps talking <laughs> yeah, about yeah. baby Jesus. Yeah, that's John C. Riley. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, cheers. Damn, that's delicious. That, that's a good beer. Not going to lie to you. I have another one in the fridge that I think you might actually like. I forget the name of it, but I don't know. It's well, we'll drink that after. Yeah, there you go. Country, country music. Was there any specific things you wanted to talk about today? I did want to talk about, I, I thought this was kind of uh, interesting and it's local too. Uh, I don't, you probably saw this floating around Facebook, but um, there was a local family that uh, they're trying to find a home for their dad's like 8,000 country music records. Oh, no, that's not local. That's in Nova Scotia or in Fredericton. Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, somewhere. Yeah, I read about that Canadian, too. Canadian, at least. Some, some CanCon. Yeah, yeah. They they <laughs> won't sell it in part. It just has to go entirely. Is it like, what do they want? Like five grand for the whole thing or something? Uh, let's see here. So, uh, Manny Jackson's dad might have gotten a bit carried away, the article says. Uh, what's this article from? It's from CBC. Um what began as a Nova Scotia teenager's modest library of 20 or so country music records grew over the next six decades to roughly 8,000. Uh, I don't know what they're selling it for here, but uh, 
they go into quote, it was his life, it was his passion. Um, what our goal is, uh, is just to find somebody that maybe doesn't have uh, an equal passion for it like he did, but would certainly appreciate the collection and use it and listen to it. Um, yeah, I think you're right there. They're trying to sell the whole thing. They're asking five grand, which is like, that's that's a steal for 8,000 records. But where would you put 8,000 records? Yeah, I don't know. I don't even have a room. Like I look at what I have there and that's probably maybe three, 400 records. So think of that. I have to line this entire room with Oh, you shelves. got the new Tyler Childers. Yeah. Well, the new old Tyler Childers, yeah. like the re-release of that live yeah. from Red Barn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a cool collection. That's a cool cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does some... I don't know who does his art. Cody Jinks should take a lesson from him. <laughs> and stop doing metal covers for his country oh, albums. <laughs> we were talking about this earlier. As much as we love his music, he has the worst album covers <laughs> in the business. We love you, Cody Jinks. If you're listening for any reason, I don't know why you would be listening to our podcast, but <laughs> disregard those last comments. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't um, know if it's a Canadian thing, but there used to be these... These shirts, uh, like it was a store <laughs> called Northern Reflections way back in the day. So this would have been like 80s and 90s, like when we're growing up. The type of thing that you go to the mall and it's kind of like the kids store, but it's like the Canadiana, like outdoors wilderness type of aesthetic. And they always had some kind of like wolf scene in the forest or something on it or a wolf pack or something going on. Every time I see a Cody Jenks record or some kind of promotion of that style, all I can think of is like mid-90s Northern Reflections <laughs> sweatshirts. I, I got to assume he just has like an artist friend who has been doing... Because I'm, I'm scrolling through the album covers on my phone right now and they're a very similar vibe. Um, so they must be by the same artist more or less. Maybe it's him. Maybe he does it himself. Maybe. If anybody knows, let us know. Suppose we could look it up. Okay. <laughs> we could have done some research. <laughs> Quote unquote. <laughs> hey, but you know, this is no dress rehearsal. We are professionals and this is the big time. That's right. <laughs> look at your goddamn koozie. Cozy. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't fit on my bo- You know what? My Put glass can- in it. Yes. Boom. Now you're thinking outside the box. That's I believe the kids call that a life hack. <clears throat> <laughs> So oh. sp- speaking of uh, cool things, King George, because we always got to talk about something about George Strait. Pew, 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 pew. That's right. <laughs> uh, he hit another milestone this week. Straight talk. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, he is the first artist in the country genre to have 100 singles hit the charts in his career. 100 Okay. Huh. Not not number ones or anything, but yeah. a single released that is released to enough success that it at least charts, makes the charts. His song, The Weight of the Badge, um, is now on the charts, apparently. It was from his um, Honky Tonk Time Machine record that just came out this year. Was that... That wasn't the first single. I thought there was a couple of singles before, before that. Yeah, yeah. There, there's been God and Country Music. Um... Was it Honky Tonk Time Machine or there's two songs that are titled I Should Know This. <laughs> yeah, why are you asking me? I know, I'm embarrassed <laughs> that I don't know this. Um, there was two Honky Tonk titles in that Honky Tonk Time Machine and then the other one. Um, what's it called? 
Well, that's really cool, it's man. That's a up. huge accomplishment, I guess. Oh, right. It's every little honky-tonk bar. So in terms of songs released on as singles, I'm not entirely sure if they were all official singles, but in terms of things I've heard on the radio, there was every little honky-tonk bar, God and Country Music, which we know was a single because we saw it on billboards when we were in Nashville. Oh, that was funny. We did like a little bachelor party photo shoot in front of that <laughs> sign. That's right. <laughs> and Codigo had to have been a single because there was a full music video done with it. And that was awesome. Done down in tequila country. That was full on just like about his his tequila, right? Yeah. That's it's like such a, he just plugged his own. Like he just wrote a song and did a video. Plug. Yep. <laughs> And I, th- I think it would be just everything he touches turns to gold. So something that would be cliche if another artist did it, like I, I can't blame him for anything on this. Like it's it's so it's good. Fair. I mean, you have your own tequila. You might as well write a song and do a video about it. And it was a great song and a great <laughs> video. So you can't even be <laughs> mad that it's like, oh, this asshole's plugging his own thing, and it's like a cheesy, stupid, shitty song. It's like it's actually good. Did I drink? Have I had that tequila? I don't know. Have you had it at my house? You've made me drink tequila before. Oh yeah, then yes, yes that you did. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. That's we, when we you did made that me do on the one three sip po- thing. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that that was Codigo. I, I've told probably. We ten- also had it in Nashville. Really? Yeah. When we one of the first bars we went to, losers. If you're, if you're about to ask me if I remember anything about <laughs> Nashville, <laughs> well, this was early on. Uh, oh, oh, that first night when I just got in. But I'd been partying with that like middle-aged bachelorette group on the plane <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's right i was sandwiched between like six oh did you come in late that night yeah i came in hot <laughs> oh yeah so you wouldn't have been there they had it uh in these like upside down dispensers at losers huh yeah well and you just put your cup under it well you don't <laughs> or your bar- face the, the, the waitress or the bartender does <laughs> just, like <stuck> under <laughs> just a barney gumble <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh. Yeah, Barney already sucked it dry. Uh, <laughs> cut his gums up pretty good. <laughs> good. Good Simpsons reference. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was released as a single. Honky Tonk Time Machine, I think, was a single. And now there's The Weight of the Badge, which I, I, I like this song, but I'm, I'm hesitant to get critical about it. But I, my one issue with this song, which I feel it's still good, but I feel like it could have been so much better, I haven't looked at the chords for it or tried to play it, but I think that there's the beginning of the chorus hits into a minor chord. I don't know if it's the six or the what, but it feels like it's going through like your average major chord progression through the chorus. And it's really building up towards some, not the chorus, sorry, the verses. And I think it, what does it have? Two verses. One of those songs with two verses that builds up into the chorus. Yeah. So it, it's really kind of chugging along, building to something. And then you expect this more powerful chorus. And instead of it going like to the one or the four or something, it goes to a minor chord. And it just, what felt like it should be... Like you weren't more, expecting it. No, it should be a more powerful pickup in a way. It then just kind of... <laughs> and goes into <laughs> like this sadder, more somber. And I get that that is like the, that's what the song's about. Yeah. But it could have been a more power, powerful song the other way. Like mm. I, I it kind of reminded me when I was first listening to it, it was occurring to me that this could be another run, like with the same kind of like pacing and 
um, style of song, definitely different sentiments, but if it just picked up a bit more, I wonder if like just even keeping all the words and everything the same, but just changing that chorus chord progression and getting rid of the minors and just making it a bit more. It's hard to say what, you know, what goes on in the songwriter's mind, right? Mm -hmm. Cause they like would have had to very consciously make that decision. Yeah. And I, I've, you know, I, I'm a musician. I've been in those, those sessions where you make a hard call on whether it's a major or a minor and it changes the entire song. And sometimes yeah. it's like you, you put a minor in there and then someone's like, no, I think you yeah, should change but, it. And then it's like, and it does like, I agree, but I think it's even more imperative here because it's the beginning of a chorus. Yeah. So it's not even like, do we throw, yeah, exactly. It's not like, do we throw a minor in here on the turnaround or like at the end of this verse or something for like some dynamic instead, this is the crux of the song goes down instead of going up. I feel like we're nerding out hard on this. Yeah, yeah. Right now. Okay. Let's you know what I wanted to do? I really want to talk about this though, is you had sent me, or sorry, we were talking about the new John party album mm -hmm. and uh, we were talking about, uh, that song nobody leaves a girl like that and so this is a good segue because we we're just excellent segue talking straight talk. straight to john party um yeah you you sent me uh that message saying like listen to these two george Strait songs and then listen to that john party song again and man you were like spot on on that like this john party song is 100 percent an homage to those uh straight songs yeah, so when I was listening to Nobody Leaves a Girl Like That, everything about it was just mostly the lyrics, but sorry, when I say everything about it reminded me, I mean lyrically, yeah. not not, not so much uh, well, musically. Vibe-wise. Yeah, yeah, so so I don't mean he's like ripped off those songs musically, no, but in not. terms of the lyrics, it really reminded me of both Nobody in His Right Mind from the 80s and A Heart Like Hers. So if you haven't heard any of these songs, Go listen to first listen to John Party. Nobody leaves a girl like that. Then go and listen to George Strait's "Nobody in His Right Mind" and then "A Heart Like Hers," and then see if it's see see what you think. Because I, I think there's a lot of uh, inspiration coming from those two tunes. Yeah, it's it's almost uncanny. Yeah, it reminded me of like ten years ago, Easton Corbin. So many of his songs draw a straight line to George Strait imp inspiration, but the one that I think it's most obvious is uh, Easton Corbin's I've Got a Thing for You. I, it borderlines parody of George Strait's It Just Comes Natural. You know, I, I love this kind of stuff, though, like these love letters that are, they're not totally on the nose. They're not, it's like you have to be a fan to sort of figure it out. Yeah. But I, I do love that when, when an artist, it's like a, just like a slight kind of, you know, high five or whatever. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's a little it's, wink and a nod. Yeah. To like the fans who know, right. Yeah. It's not going to be, it's not overtly obvious. Like, like the best one, which we've talked about so many times is in Midland in Mr. Lonely when yeah. they shout out, Oh, play that steel yeah. Paul. Yeah. Nobody knows what Paul they're talking about unless yeah. you play pedal steel or yeah. are in the industry that it's Paul Franklin. Yeah, it is really cool. It's just a, it's a cool way of just shouting out someone that's like not everyone's going to know it, and most people just pass it by. But yeah, yeah totally interesting. So, so, what are your favorite tunes on this record? Man, because I'm, your truck is possessed and yeah. is now <laughs> <laughs> making you listen to this every time you turn it on. Yeah, dude, it's so weird that like old hat. I, maybe I got a new phone. Maybe that's why it has something to do with the new phone. But 
every time I get in my truck now, old hat from John, the first track on John Party's album comes on when I get in my truck because it just connects automatically. Yeah. And it just starts playing that song. And so I do love that song. I don't think it's one of my favorite songs on the album, but I do think I initially said I thought it would be one of your favorites just because the whole sort of traditional vibe of it, like seal a deal on a handshake. Like it's very you. Yeah. I, yeah, you've told me that a number of times. <laughs> I think I think you forget, forget that you text me that every time your car turns on with that song. Hey, have you heard Old Hat? Reminds me of you. Um, uh, I and, forget lots of things. Yeah, uh, yeah, I really like it. It's it's a great tune. Um, and sentimentally, I, it, yeah, you're right. I, I vibe with a lot of what is being said there. The like, what are some of the other lines in there? If you seal a deal with a handshake, like there's very much a chivalrous vibe throughout the song as yeah. well too so I, I really like a lot of what's going on in it i think the biggest issue is for me that the the intro doesn't really match the whole rest of the song it's a bit off yeah because the song every sentimentally the narrative is so uh traditional in the lyrics but then it started off with the least traditional aspect of the entire record with that little guitar riff at the beginning and i mean if that's if that's the least traditional thing on his whole record it's still so much more country than the majority of anything else being put out on the radio these days it it is kind of funny that that's how we started the album though like it starts in such a new country way but i think that's an important distinction to make is that i think we're about to dissect this album right now and like you said our least favorite songs on this album are still like hands down way better than anything that's on the radio. Yeah. And when, when I say like anything that I would at all criticize on this is a slight criticism because like my least favorite song on this record is still very good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like like scales or degrees. It's not uh, (laughs) the song sucks. It shouldn't have been here. It's, it's all great. I really like tied one on. I think that's, that's the first one I thought of about you when yeah. I when I heard it I was like Sean's gonna love this it's like both parts of you <laughs> like the broke down old school uh acoustic old-timey twangy yeah that slow intro yeah and then like the one two three four and then it kicks pushes in. into like the roadhouse almost rock and roll honky-tonk yeah. type of vibe that yeah, is man. very much you as well yeah this has been a, a two windows down song for me for for a while yeah I'm not crazy about me and Jack that's probably my least favorite. Yeah. <clears throat> and just stylistically as more of a rock in tune. I don't know. I, I like the way that they do it and tied one on me and Jack. I don't know. Everything about it, just like you said, on the nose, a little contrived. Yeah. Still very good compared to everything else that's out there right now. But when, when you have heartache medication on a record, it's just, it's hard to, like the bar is set so incredibly yeah, high. Fair. That's like fair. that song, like borders perfect. I don't think it borders perfect. I think it is perfect. It's like, like it's, every it's hard to say that. something's perfect, <laughs> but like if you were to go that far, like I, I can't criticize anything about it. No, I would challenge anybody to yeah, do that. Tell us what is not perfect about this song. Yeah, like lyrically, it's awesome. And I'm just noticing that in addition to John Party, I knew Barry Dean was a co-writer on this, but I didn't realize Natalie Hemby was. And huh. we've been talking about her a lot as one of the high women. That's interesting. Yeah, she's on tons of stuff. Wow. We've got like one of Nashville's top songwriters, but I didn't realize she was on this. And that's, that's really cool. Yeah. And so when you have this song that 
lyrically and musically is just so perfect like the orchestration on it is insane and it's there, there's nothing that's like too over the top it's all fairly kind of subtle in mm -hmm. its changes it's yeah. so 90s like even like the drums just scream 90s yep. um and the fiddle like the, this stylistically could be an alan jackson or george Strait song in a second um but anyways, we've talked about it enough huh. about that in past episodes as well. But And Nobody Leaves a Girl Like That. I really like that. But we just mentioned two of the things that I feel like it draws a lot of inspiration from. Ain't Always the Cowboy, another one I really like. Oh, uh, that, that song's really grown on me. Yeah. It's I also remember when it, my I, wife's favorite song oh, of, really? of John Parties. Yeah. Yeah. When it originally came out, I wasn't that into it. And then when the album, the whole album got released, then it started really growing on me. I, I love it, man. I, I love that it's like, like he kind of flipped the script on it, right? It's, you know, the songs about it's how it's not always the cowboy that leaves because there's yeah. so many traditional songs about it's like the the man leaves, right? It's not. It's like him getting left, and uh, I, I think it's a really good song. And musically, it's it's a beautiful song. But uh, yeah, I it, I don't know why it, when it was released as a single, it didn't really jump out at me. But then as I listened to it more, I started to really like it. And then I, I really like. Uh, well, it also reminds me of. Um what did I say? What was that song? Um, Ain't Her Cowboy Anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We so, talked about this before. I think in Heartbreak, when we were talking about Heartbreak songs. Oh, yeah, that, that's possible. <laughs> yeah, in, in a <laughs> similar a way that too. I feel like Nobody Leaves a Girl Like That drew inspiration from Nobody in His Right Mind and Heart Like Hers. I feel like uh, it Ain't Always the Cowboy draws inspiration from Ain't Her Cowboy Anymore. So listen to those two songs this if you're is, not this familiar. This is what artists should be doing. Instead of like the stuff we, we've bitched about before where artists are just like name dropping out of the blue to try and gain some sort of credibility. Raised on Hank, raised on Merle. <laughs> Shoot me in the face. Yeah. Like, this is what they, is these subtle George was the throwbacks. song soundtrack of my raising yeah, or whatever that it obviously wasn't. stupid song is. Yeah. So it, it's these subtle throwbacks these artists should be doing, not because it's it, it's not if you do a subtle throwback, it's not gonna like you're not just trying to blindly gain like yeah, just some sort of credibility. Cred, yeah, yeah. This again, this is what's cool about John Party. Mm -hmm. All right, should we uh, should we stop talking about John Party or is this just the John Party podcast? Um, the JPP. Buy that man a beer. Another one. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah, I feel like what I would. And I'm sure other songs would grow on me, but off the top of my head, I feel like this has so many singles on it mm -hmm. that should be released. Yeah. To me, in no particular order, just reading down the list or reading up the list from the bottom, Call Me Country, Buy That Man a Beer, Tequila Little Lime, which is already released, which I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah, and I, I'm with you on that one. It's it, it would be on the lower end of the list for me, along with me and Jack. And it's a good tune, and again, like way more country than a lot of what's out there now. But and maybe it's only because I don't love like the island vibes. No. Like I've never been a huge Jimmy Buffett and no. Kenny Chesney fan. And this, the first time I heard this, reminded me of Two Pina Coladas by Garth Brooks. That it's very much that motif, and that's. It's good. It's just not for me. Um, so I've never been into that either. Yeah. It's just a scene I don't really get. Yeah. I mean, maybe if I was sitting on a beach or something. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I'm down with it in that context. 
yeah, Call Me Country by That Man of Beer, uh, Tequila Little Lime, Tied One On. Um, I, I feel like that will be a single. I hope so. Don't blame it on the whiskey. I, That's... I borderline feel like that song's too country to be a single. What? Yeah. Too country to be a single. Yeah. Heartache Medication is a single. What's more know, country than that? I feel that? like Tied One On is like too, maybe I shouldn't say country. It's like too yeah. honky tonk to be a. Yeah, single. too like rock and roll honky tonk. Yeah. It's like that. I don't know what to call that specific type of country. It just reminds me of like roadhouse country. Yeah. Like that slightly rock and roll, fast paced, like yeah, guitar like you, driven. You get in a comical, like a comical bar fight where you like. Exactly. You're breaking you pool break cues. a bottle. Yeah. You run the guy down the bar, like smash You the want to fight? <laughs> Them's fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it seems like it's one of those fights where nobody actually gets hurt. You're, yeah. you're comically fighting. Yeah. You yeah. break a chair on someone's back. Yeah. You throw a pig across the room. I miss those kind of bar fights. Yeah. You, you've been in them? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I just mean. I, I, it would be great if the if most nights ended in like a comical bar fight, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> At least All in right. a cartoon type setting. Yeah, and like the piano play, the piano player still going, like piano player. That's right, <laughs> playing like a plinky brothel type of tune. Yeah, he's ducking as like glasses are flying yeah, yeah, by. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but keeps it going. The show must go on. <laughs> yeah, another one oh. I really like is uh, "Don't Blame It on the Whiskey." That's a good tune. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did, did we already talk about this today? I don't know what to make of the duet with Lauren Elena, though. She's got a great voice, but... Yeah, I wasn't, I'm not familiar with her. Yeah, she... She I, does I, have a great voice. Yeah. And it's I, a great song. I'm not going to lie. I'm not super familiar with her either. I, I'm familiar with the idea of her. Like, I've heard her name on the radio so many times. I've, I've heard her songs that are on the radio. I just... None of them have really left an impression with me because... I think I've just written it off as just more kind of mediocre pop country. Yeah. And maybe she is really into traditional. Maybe she has a more traditionalist side to her. Maybe maybe she's on the same record label as John Party and there was some wanting to uh, partner up together. I, I don't know. I was kind of surprised that this was her on there particularly because Miranda Lambert is a co-writer on this song. So that would have been a logical yeah. choice, right? Yeah. That would have been a huge duet. And I think he's big enough at this point that he'd be pulling in. Yeah, I would hope so. That yeah. would be great for both of them. But uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it was something like she was on his Eric label. Eric Church or... is also a co-writer on it. Huh. Yeah. Does he write? Like, is he... A lot. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. He's written most of his own songs in, in collaboration with a number of people. Yeah. But uh, yeah, The Chief's a good one. The Chief. The chief. That's a great way to give yourself a nickname too. Like <laughs> I don't I don't know if he like had that nickname before he put out the record called The Chief, but since then everybody's called him the Chief. And it's just like well, I, I want to put like... out a record that has like <laughs> a badass name to it, so everybody just calls me that going forward. Like Coco the Monkey. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Wasn't that a Seinfeld thing where he tried to like George tried to give himself his own nickname? Oh, that's right. Like something with steak. Like uh, oh, what was it? <laughs> and then they started calling him Coco the monkey. That's right. What was the <laughs> nickname? Oh, this is gonna bother me now. It was something with steak. <laughs> Porterhouse. I don't know. T Bone. T Bone. That's right. T Bone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he was yeah. flailing his arms yeah, around yeah. and they called him Coco, Coco the, the monkey. monkey. That's right. Oh, that's great. Because he had the zero zero ooh yeah. like yeah. Are they bought <laughs> yeah. that? Oh fuck! 
Oh, now we're getting into yeah, Seinfeld. A, yeah, a, a rare Seinfeld reference. Okay, so what I was going to say is that I, I wonder, because he's uh, Eric Church is a huge Springsteen fan, right? Mm-hmm. So and Well, he, who isn't? Yeah, that's true. You, so you got uh, the boss, so maybe he just oh, wanted to yeah. be the chief. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, I think uh, I, I've, I've heard that mentioned before or thought of that. Yeah, that's true. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense. All right, well, I think we should probably move on from our... All right our John party segment. Um, I was driving a bit today. I think you were too, but I listened to that, uh, Dolly Parton podcast, that first mm-hmm. episode, uh, sad, sad ass songs. Yeah. That's really cool. Have you listened to it? I did. It's good. eh? I really like it. It's, um, I wasn't expecting it when a friend of ours ta- uh, posted that and he tagged us in it. Oh, Mario, the guy from, uh, CBC. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, that alerted me to it. And when I went and checked it out and listened to it, I was really surprised to see that it was Jad Appenrod from Radiolab. And I, in, in true Radiolab style, it like jumps around and cuts in and out. Uh, it's a bit scattered. Yeah, which I don't know. I, I could follow it, but... All of the side stories from the commenters on, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I... I, I... I had a real hard time. Fo- I'm not going to lie to you. Like I was feeling a bit rough today and maybe not mentally all there, but I was <laughs> trying. Totally fogged out trying to follow it. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But I, I had a hard time following the narrative. Like I really liked the Dolly Parton interviews, but... Yeah, he's a great interviewer. I really like him. He is. I, yeah. I just wish that it was... So obviously he did these interviews before. Like, yeah. And he, he they were all pre-recorded. Then he did the podcast and then he interjected the interviews. And it was very entertaining, but I just, I don't know, maybe I was just brain dead today and I couldn't like follow. It wasn't that complicated. Listen to it. It's awesome. Everybody should listen to it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I thought it was cool. And there was some really interesting stuff on there too. Like, yeah, I like the whole feminist conversation. Yeah. Where she was almost taken aback, like that she's, she's not a feminist, but uh, yeah. She's, and she's, she's of the era where <clears throat> even if your actions and beliefs follow feminist principles it was not accepted or cool or anything to identify as a feminist yeah and oh no i'm not a feminist i don't hate men i I don't burn my bra etc etc but in her actions and in her life and what she represents and movements she was part of and started and pioneered she it almost makes her more of a feminist oh she's (laughs) she's one of the biggest fans so it's weird to hear someone that's such an icon in a feminist way to almost disavow it at least in nominally in terms of the nomenclature yeah it's funny too uh they go into this whole spiel about how like they play all these old clips like pretty old clips where talk show hosts whatever it's like immediately within yeah, the first like two minutes Walters from way back in the day and, and it's immediately within the first like minute of her being on a show or whatever it's like and it's mostly male interviewers interviewers they go s- straight to talking about her boobs and oh, then yeah, the johnny carson bit yeah, yeah yeah and then then it cuts to an interview of her where she's just like wow like why not like well I, it's her taking control of the narrative yes because she I'm paraphrasing, but she's like, I knew it was going to be mentioned. So as soon as they mention it, I one up them on the joke. And that's she always had of. a better joke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so she, she almost she's disarms cool. them yeah. and takes control of the narrative by um, seeing what they're saying 
raising them one on it yeah they're not going to beat that and then they can and they're on their heels move on. exactly then they can just move on to the stup- substantive uh conversation yeah, yeah she that. pushes it right back yeah oh, i love her she's, yeah she's great she's the coolest yeah i'm excited for more of these episodes to come out yeah me too i'm i think there's nine in total yeah it's a nine said. part series yeah that's gonna be cool and it's uh I don't know. I it, uh, hopefully they do more of these things. I've listened to Radio Lab for a long time, so it was great to see that there's like a country music Radio Lab. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Was cool. It was entertaining. What else? Uh, I saw Brooks and Dunn just uh, got inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame this weekend. Really? I thought that was a little while ago. Mm, uh, Friday. This is this eighteenth. What's the date today? Oh. May, oh, maybe the announcement was a little while ago. Ah, uh, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, very like, well. Long deserved. overdue. Yeah, yeah. They're like the greatest selling duo of country music history. So, yeah, you would have thought that would have happened earlier, right? Yeah, but I guess that's almost like a sub, sub um, category, like country music duo versus group versus solo I guess. artist. I guess. I wonder where they stand in the record sales versus their contemporaries like George Strait, Garth Brooks, Alan Jackson. Because when I think of like the the big guys of the '90s, those are the four groups that you think of the most, or yeah. at least that I think of the most: George Strait, Alan Jackson, Garth Brooks, Brooks and Dunn. Yeah, it would be interesting to look at those those stats to see it's where like they. George has the most number ones. Yeah, Garth has the most record sales. Alan doesn't have the most anything, I don't think, but is right up in there. He's and got the biggest pyramid of cans in the pale moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> Darn well it, played. It, it. Yeah. <laughs> well played. Way to, way to not leave him hanging with <laughs> no major accolades. Love you, Alan Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought you'd like that one, the Brooks and Dunn thing. I know you love them. Mm-hmm. Um, you got anything else? <clears throat> I saw a cool thing. I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, not that I'm a huge fan of Lifetime TV, but they, oh, yeah. they're releasing a uh, uh, Patsy Cline and Loretta Lynn biopic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know when it comes out, but it sounds really cool, man. It's, I think like, it's out. Um, it? Well, at least I saw oh, yeah, on Instagram that it was Saturday, the premiere October 19th, was, was in was Nashville. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so the film begins with Patsy Cline's career already underway while Loretta Lynn uh, hasn't yet made it into the country music scene. When Loretta does make it to Nashville, an early meeting with Patsy becomes the start of a f- special friendship that would uh, become very meanif- meaningful to both of them. Sounds awesome, man. I really want to watch yeah. this. I don't know, like Lifetime's a pretty uh, like sappy kind of network, I think. But it'd be interesting to see um, what they do with this. Yeah. I hope it's gritty. It should be gritty because they were two like real badass. Yeah, you're right. It should women. be gritty, but it's lifetime. Yeah, so I just I just hope they don't <laughs> yeah. like. Anyways, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to to watch. I don't know how I'm gonna watch this, but I'll watch it. Yeah, another thing that happened this week was the passing of Bob Kingsley. Um. Yeah, that's that's a big deal. I I think of him as like an elder statesman of country radio. When when I was growing up, it was always the American Country Countdown, and it was syndicated on BX93, the country station we listened to that was out of London, Ontario. And then at some point, I think something got bought or some company got bought, and or he just shifted gears and places, and it started to become 
Bob Kingsley's uh, like top 40 country countdown or whatever it was called. But yeah, either Bob, way, Bob Kingsley's yeah country top 40. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. And so it, it seems like it ran globally on more than 320 stations. Yeah. It's impressive. And until there, a, a couple more names got thrown into the hat later on in later years in the 2000s like crook and chase and then bobby bones as like hosts for like top 30 top 40 countdowns but the guy that it was always historically like he reminds me of like the casey Kasem, who was like the name on like pop radio like the the countdown guy or like dick clark like the country version of those two guys it, it was bob kingsley and he I don't know. Uh, it's just that that voice from ever since I was a kid for all the countdowns on country radio, and then listen like through to recently listening, listening to his countdowns. Uh, it's yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be missed in country radio. Yeah, I mean, who's was, gonna fill his shoes? He, yeah, who is gonna fill their shoes? He was yeah, he was a champion for country music. Um, that's sad. What else we got here? Um, new Blake Shelton single i don't like talking about blake shelton but i i have some beef with this um jesus got a tight grip you heard the song no awful yeah i just heard his last single like hell right yeah so now i feel like what a stupid song yeah and they're both stupid songs so it's like he tried to so like what does hell right mean are they trying to make a new like influence a new saying or something it doesn't even work it doesn't flow who says hell right well, I, I think he's trying to say like he knows how to raise hell right. Like, well, that's is, even stupider. It is, uh, yeah. I'm you're gonna get no argue, argument out of me on this one. But then I think he go, he caught a bunch of shit from his fans for like this hell right thing, like because they're very conservative, like right wing fans, I guess. And so now he just, what 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 caught a bunch of shit for what for the use of the word hell? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then so then he just comes and he and he releases Jesus got a tight grip, like. Uh, it's literally a song about him like going to heaven. Like, god damn it, man. Could you just Yeah. Go maybe go away. I don't know. Like <laughs> just like I I listen so uh, everybody that's listening, however many people listen, you need to understand the things that I do for for y'all to like bring some sort of entertainment to this podcast. I listened to a fucking two two Blake Shelton songs today and I hate Blake Shelton. <laughs> so just understand the sacrifices I make. But uh yeah, and the upcoming album this is off is called Fully Loaded God's Country. Like what it's kind of off the rails. I don't like that song either. And I it's I don't understand how it's become such a big deal, God's Country. Like I don't I don't know. I don't get it. It's I don't like the instrumentation. I don't like the lyrics. I don't think I don't think it's that great of a song. No. And everybody's going bananas about it. It was like number one, I think, for like how long? Yeah, like, bananas. Fuck that song. B a n a n a s. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> nice little Gwen Stefani reference there. Yeah, I'd listen to that over Blake Shelton. Oh, hundred percent. Me too. <laughs> God's country or that shit is bananas. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah. I'm into it. oh boy what else what else you got i don't know not a lot i was in other conversations relating to americana with some friends this week and i don't know i think we're gonna have to do a whole episode on the idea of americana it's a kind of a polarizing thing right like yeah 
I've, I've got to sort out my thoughts a little bit more concisely on this because I just, I don't know. I don't think it's a real thing. It's this. You don't think the genre is a real thing? It's obviously a real thing. Well, it's, yeah, it's it's become a real thing. Like, I don't know. We we did a little I just thing. Feel like, it's like, like an offshoot of like alternative country kind of thing. Like it's, it's weird because it is a mixture of a lot of things that are too like legitimately too country country yeah. for country radio. Yeah. So they can't just call it like real country or country country or whatever. They've looped it into this broad strokes category called Americana that also includes like more rock and roll or yeah. indie type of yeah. alt country like hipster singing like flat brim hat type of hipster people that and that's another thing don't get me started on flat brim cowboy hats but okay <clears throat> listen though we it, we're dissecting it's the same conversation we had about john party where it's like we're dissecting the album but it, like the songs we're saying aren't good are fucking super good but we're dissecting the genre and saying shit like this but like look at what's being classified as country nowadays and like shit like florida georgia line and whatever else this is called country and then the other things have been subgenred into americana or like exactly and that's my country. problem yeah but so it's, what the fuck that should be back that should be country exactly push that to like that what was southern, that joke you said pop. southern pop yeah. yeah our we need to still need to start that campaign yeah just to, to reclassify pop country as southern southern pop yeah because like alt country can stay alt country it makes sense when you say alt country you know what that means yeah it, and but it's i i personally think it should be called country you think alt country should be called country yeah it's more country than like so florida george line gets called country so why should jason isabel be called alt country He's is, more. He's it, a thousand he, times more country. Is he called alt country? Yeah, I think so. I think he's come along in a time beyond when alt country was a thing. I think like nobody calls themselves alt country anymore. They call themselves Americana. Okay, fair. So doesn't matter. And I feel we're like splitting hairs at this may, point. Maybe there's another thing. The, the type of people who call themselves Americana <laughs> artists versus people who get put into an Americana category. Right? Yeah. So, like, I'm thinking about this now since you mentioned that because I was listening to an interview, I don't know where, with Leanne Womack. And she's like, yeah, well, they, they were talking something about how country she was and, like, the modern queen of country, blah, blah, blah. And she she was like, yeah, now I'm uh, I'm an Americana artist. Like, th that's what I'm classified as now. As, as She's kind of, like, half eye roll, sigh, shoulder shrug. Like, well, that's that's what it yeah. is now. And she's like one of the most country country yeah. people there ever was. Yeah. And she's now lumped into this catch all category. It, you're right, it's catch all. Yeah. And it, it shouldn't be. And like thinking about guys like Corb Lund and whoever else that would like um Hayes Carl. Like these people are all quote unquote Americana artists now. But like Hayes Carl's country is fuck. Like well, I, I, hey, I'm not saying they should be. I'm saying this is yeah. the arena in which the powers that be, or by default, they get put in because so they're not on country them off radio. To the side. Exactly. Like the, it's too country for country radio. Yeah. So it gets put in this and category. That's bullshit. But also, what's in that category? If you wanted to call it like 
country country or I don't know, whatever. Like so, something Imagine we created a genre called country country. <laughs> <laughs> we, this, we need to do this. <laughs> um, but it, like even if, if they were all in that like two country genre, that, that'd be fine. Call it whatever you want to call it, Americana, etc. But when these alt country, folk country, like like Brooklyn folk music with a slight pedal steel or a fiddle then becomes Americana. Yeah. And this is like the, the flat brim hipster uh, plaid shirt downtown type of music that like you can almost tell how serious somebody is into country music by the curve of their hat. <laughs> oh boy. I'm not joking. <laughs> and like, so, okay. This is just coming to me now. I haven't fully formulated this. Yeah. Love it. Educate us. Okay. Tell this us is, all about the brims. Okay, let me. Let me okay, it's all up. This all, is all stream of consciousness, so I, I, I may have to refine this better. Oh. But think about the people who wear those Kenny Chesney style straw hats that, or like not just Kenny Chesney, like early Kenny Chesney, but also um, like Toby Keith straw cowboy hats. No, no, like the thick straw, not like white good classic oh straw. You're getting down to straw stock. No, you, you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, yeah, like I the do, brown I straw do, ones where the sides you. are like really rolled up, yeah, yeah. and then they're pushed down yeah. in the front and uh-huh. back, and it just like looks seen so... at every country festival you've ever been to. The exactly the sometimes they're sponsored by like Bud or something. Exactly, yeah. and so that is you. You look at someone wearing that type of hat, <laughs> and you know that those guys are like <laughs> country as fuck, and they this are very important in like. In, in like a tailgating kind of way, yeah. like where it's it's all about like crushing tall boys and shotgunning beers and hell yeah, just party time, truck like yeah. hard, exactly hardcore, <laughs> the hardcore sense. But then you move into something that's a little more like um, wide brim but curved on the sides. Is it still straw? It uh, doesn't matter. Okay. Um, it matters. Like, think about George Strait or, in a modern sense, Cody Johnson or John Party. Yeah. Those style are very Western. Yes. And, like, that says a certain type of thing about the kind of music they're making as well, right? Like, yes. those guys all fit yes. into a certain category, even if it's, like, across various <laughs> generations in time. I can't look in your face. <laughs> Why? Because I have a very serious, yes. as a matter of fact, look. <laughs> I'm so interested, I just can't look at you. Okay. Um, I'm going to laugh and disturb the whole thing. So, well, that, that's one, one sense. But then move into what has become trendy, and I'm air-quoting trendy in air the quoting. last couple of years, with what I call like the Instagram girl hat where it's not like a cattleman top where the sides are pushed in. It's like almost like pointy at the front where the the two corners are pushed in almost like a fedora. Oh yeah. And then, but the brim is very round and very flat, like perfectly flat. Like like a cowboy hat. Well, people are wearing it in country music, but it's also like when I see that hat, I think of like that, cliche instagram girl post where you we're seeing shit tons of them right now on instagram where someone's posing with a like sweater holding like a little pumpkin in front of a tree that's turning colors don't worry about and, pumpkins like, a very i'm not, I've got nothing against pumpkins i'm just <laughs> painting a scene here Dude, i with, have like, some pumpkin spice baileys right there <sighs> it's so good 
It's gross. It's so good. All right. You're, you're interrupting me. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to fuck with you intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> and so just like, okay, I'm done painting that picture because I wait, lost wait, where wait, I was. Wait, wait, turn around. What do you think of my cowboy hat? It's terrible. And I've told you that so many times. It's not terrible. You need a better hat. No, that's like a Hank 3 style cowboy hat. Exactly. Yeah. What's wrong it's with it? Everything. Tell me all about it. Turn around and look at the hat and tell me what's wrong with it. It's crushable. First of all, it's crushable. So Cru- crushable is a- good. Why? Because you can put it in a suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you need to? Well, sometimes you need to put your hat in a suitcase. You should just wear your hat. Hey, It's a hat. It ain't always the cowboy, Andrew. It rides away. <laughs> Bad reference. <laughs> good reference. Uh, yeah, it's like... I don't know. I'm going to buy you a real cowboy hat. I don't know. I like that hat. That's going to be your birthday present. Oh, boy. You know what? I think it might be time. Uh, Maybe we wrap this up. Yes. Yeah. I have no more to say about the brims. (laughs) And we're really digressing. (laughs) If you've stayed with us for this long, thank you. Uh, Go go on to uh, iTunes and whatever else and rate us five stars. Yes, please. Leave us a review. uh, Recommend us to a friend. We're on Instagram at Country Country Music. What else? All of it, you know? Um, we're on Twitter, but you handle that. I forget what the name is. Uh, yeah, me too, but it's easy to find. It's just country. <laughs> we'll link it. Country or something. <laughs> we're doing Anyways, a terrible job of plugging ourselves. I'm, I'm trying real hard. <laughs> you know what? Find us on Instagram because I'm having a real hard time. I think we have 21 followers. <laughs> Up from 17 last week. I have no idea. I haven't Boom. looked at it. Anyways, yeah, go go follow us. What are you saying? What do you want to do right now? You want to maybe listen to that Tyler Childers album in the background? Yeah. All right. I really yeah. like the that cover. So okay, let's let's have a beer. Let's listen to that. Awesome. Game on. Country, country music.